Hey everyone, welcome to Past Lives and the Divine. I'm Gina, the host of this podcast, and today we're talking about how I became a hypnotist. So if you're someone who likes a little behind-the-scenes tour, here is one hallway of my life. Just a quick reminder, if you're new around here, I have a hypnosis training that I created with Sarah Leverett, and it's called The Hypnotic Arts Training. Enrollment for the spring cohort of 2023 is opening soon, so make sure you're on that email list, and you can do that by going to thehypnoticartstraining.com. Make sure you hop on that email list if you're interested. The people on the email list get first chance at signing up. Right now, there's a maximum of 15 students in each cohort. We've got a feeling based on the interest list that it's gonna fill up pretty quick. It's a first come, first serve, but the people on the email list get first chance at registering. What sets our training apart is that whether you've had hypnosis training experience before or not, you'll not only get the foundational education of what hypnosis is and what's happening, but you're going to learn more about connecting to and staying connected to your own intuition. Sarah Leverett and I believe that intuition is a really, really important part of this process, and it's a really important part of the session, especially if you're someone like Sarah and I who want every client to go somewhere and get something in every session. Another thing that sets this training apart is how we emphasize finding your own unique niche within hypnosis. That's really important because hypnosis is insanely vast, the amount of things that we can do with it. And so we believe that students who find their niche, what sets them apart, even if and most likely that will grow and change throughout your career, we believe that's a really important part in setting someone up to not only complete our training, but then continue to work and grow within this field of hypnosis. This world is littered with people who have been through hypnosis trainings and then get caught up in setting up the business, setting up the website, doing the marketing, understanding how they're different. And combining your work with your intuition, finding your own unique within hypnosis. And then we give information, um, a little bit of the a training is business setup, whether that's a podcast, a social media account, a website, or something else. Our hypnotists come out prepared and ready, not only for the trickiest situations with their clients in trance, in session, but also set up with a clear path. So if you want to keep your graduation momentum going, if you've stalled out in the past, this training is for people who want to work as a hypnotist and want to understand their intuition better, their unique gifts, and their unique niche within hypnosis, considering their interests, skills, talents, innate abilities. Um, so it really is, whether you have hypnosis training before or you're brand new to it, come. There is something for everyone. Check out that website. Definitely get on the email list. And I'm going to slide this in there because there's been a handful of people who have talked to me or emailed me or I've messaged on Instagram. And it's clear that some of you don't know. If you're interested in taking a past life journey on your own at home, no hypnosis experience required. I have just the gift for you. 
On my website at pastlivesandthedivine.com, I have a hypnotic journey where you can get comfortable at home, turn it on, and be transported to a past life of your own. So if you click that link in the show notes or go to pastlivesandthedivine.com and click on the pop-up that comes up when you land on that website, you will get all that information. You'll just enter your email address and then to your email, you'll get a PDF kind of how to do this and then the audio file for you to download and listen to once, once a day, once a month, once in your whole life, however often you want to do it. Okay, everyone, gather around the fire for my story about how I became a hypnotist. My goodness, where do I start with this? When I think about the work I do and what I'm doing, helping people kind of like grow, heal, gain insights, clarity, release stuckness, release attachments that they don't want there that are no longer serving them. I think of it as like releasing energy, releasing weight off this planet, off who I believe to be like our great mother. And I believe that that's what I'm doing in hypnosis. And so with that, I've seen so many lifetimes where that energetic shift, that lightning and releasing up to the sky and away from earth, is really like at the heart, at the core of the work I do. You know, whether that's um, being a medicine woman, um, a ritualistic healer, being a palm reader, being a body worker. I mean, I just, there are the witch in the woods. I have been that in so many lives, multiple lives for many of these roles. And when I look back, like that's the underlying theme of it all. Let's lighten the load and like, let's release. And as you hear at the end of every episode, I I think most often end it with like, just take anything that lightens your load and just leave the rest. And that idea of like proclaiming as a teacher on some level of like, take what you need and just, you know, let everything else go is... I mean, I took that from someone and I don't even know who I feel like it's a really common thing. But my spin on it is like, take what lightens your load. And I feel like that really is an indicator of like, that wasn't intentional. Like that's something I see in hindsight, where it's like, that's always been my thing of like, let's lighten this fucking load. (laughs) Ooh, like, life here is so heavy. So I'm doing that in hypnosis as well. And really, when I look back on my entire career, leading up to hypnosis, leading up to where I am right now, that was a big part of it, too. So it's hard to know when it all began, but I guess I'll start with college. I went into college. um, I went into college with the intention of majoring in psychology. I always thought I would be like a counselor, a therapist. Um... But I had like a unknown rampant uh, self-sabotage streak. And I remember going to psychology classes. And these are just undergrad psychology classes. So it's like super high level. But I remember getting A's every week um, in a couple of my classes. We would have little quizzes. And if I didn't get an A, which was really, really rare, um, I would be like pretty twisted about it. But so I I got an A and I say that, but I always, it always came really easy to me. And that led to me thinking three years into my university career, like I have to change my major because like if these people are giving me A's in this subject, like there's something fucked up, something wrong. 
And I was also getting to a space where it was like, man, I just am so sick of going to school. And I knew that a track in psychology was like, get your master's and then most likely get your PhD. And uh, what I didn't know was like the whole world was kind of turning to like the get your master's thing. So when I switched out of psychology, I did not have any other interests, honestly, besides like the human mind and getting kind of beneath the behaviors and why we do what we do and analyzing behaviors and analyzing thoughts and emotions. All of that was like just really interesting to me. So when I decided like, no, this is not for me because I was getting A's and didn't want to keep going to school, apparently, um, when I decided, no, this was not for me, I saw my college advisor. He was just basically like, well, do you think you'll go and get your master's? And I was like, God, I feel like everybody is. Yeah, maybe I will. You know, I was kind of waffling in that day. I was like, yeah, I probably will. His advice was, if you're going to get your master's, then you major in whatever you want to major for your bachelor's, figure out what you want to do. And that's what you'll get your master's in. I was like, okay, cool. And he's like, what do you like right now? And I'm like, um, at the time I had worked at the outing center. So I was someone, if you wanted to like rent a canoe or an outdoor backpack or go on a hiking trip with the programmers and the program leaders or whatever who worked there, I was someone who worked at that front desk. And I loved it. It was kind of my first real experience with outdoor activities. Um, and I just thought it was interesting and fun. And I loved to be active. And I loved, I came from a small town and I was always just like perpetually so fucking bored. Uh, and so to be, to work in a space where people were like utilizing the outdoors as entertainment was like, it felt good on many, many levels for me. And so I told my advisor that and he was like, well, if you like that, you should, you should major in recreation and sports management was what they, I went to St. Cloud State University in Minnesota is what they called that major. But essentially it's kind of like leadership. There was a lot of leadership blended with wilderness stuff. I don't know if that's like a normal combination, but I hear since then that that doesn't seem like a normal combination, but it was a lot of leadership stuff, which I thought was really interesting. Eventually came out with my sports management recreation degree. And during college, I had become a certified personal trainer and a certified group exercise instructor. So throughout my college career, I was personal training people. I was teaching group exercise classes. And then I, I was just always someone I feel like who had like five jobs at any given moment. I don't have that in me anymore. I used that up in my teens and my 20s. And so through this, like teaching group exercise classes, more specifically one-on-one -on -one work, like personal training, uh, either with small groups or like wellness coaching with small groups or as a part of that training, I was always personally trying to get beneath it. It's like, we all know this, drink water, eat your fruits and vegetables, you know, moderate on all the fucking junk out there. But like, we know that. So why are we focusing on continually teaching that when really what we should be doing is understanding the behaviors that fucking derail us? So for me, my entire wellness career, I was always trying to dig and get underneath these behaviors. And I can see in my personal life, I would do the same thing. Uh, in my mid-20s, I kind of felt like, okay, I... In my, I think I was 27, I had a college degree, I had a full-time, quote, good job, even though it was like so toxic and bad for me. Um, I had bought a house, I was like 
doing all the adult things that I wanted to do that I was like dreaming about that would pull me out of my slump and keep me motivated throughout, you know, my late teens and early to mid 20s. And I just realized like I do all this shit. I've checked all these boxes and I still feel like shit. And so for me personally, I was always reflecting on my behavior, trying to get underneath it which led me to like talk therapy. You know, ever since like my mid to late 20s, I've always just personally been digging underneath things, trying to figure it out. And not only with like professionals to help me, whether it was like, you know, a consultation or like working with someone for months on end, like a therapist, for example, or doing things on my own, like yoga, meditation, working with The Course in Miracles, reading every fucking self-help book on the planet, um, like just analyzing the dysfunctional relationships in my life and really trying to dig in and take what I could control on as like, this is mine to fix. And I think that's something that I, that comes easy to me. I think that that is something that if I don't fuck myself over with it. It can be a real gift. Um, but at that time, I just gave it all away. You know, it's all my fault. I'm going to do it all. I'll fix it all, um, which is great, but not a good way to build um, relationships. There needs to be that reciprocity, but that's what I found out in my 30s. Here we are in my 40s. You know, I've made some adjustments. And I think if you're someone like me, if you dig and dig like, but it's not this, it's something deeper. I know it's something deeper. When we find that deeper something and we feel that deep release, like that deep untying, that release of those knots or block, blocks or stuck energy or whatever, it's almost like that becomes the addiction, and not in a bad way, just like a compulsive, like you're always searching for that, whether you know it or not. I guess that's what I mean when I say addiction there. And if you keep digging, eventually you'll end up in the subconscious mind in a hypnosis session, which is where I ended up. So in 2013, I had my first hypnosis session and I was just going there. Not even, I don't even know if when I started going there, I knew about past life regression but I went there for healing in this life. Like it was very much like, oh, I feel a lot of anxiety around this. Okay, go back to the first time you felt it, you know, and now you're at age 12. And that stuff is so helpful. And I released so much and made such big shifts in my life. Like no more night terrors, which anyone who dreams horribly violent dreams, like you will know what a relief that is, how that affects the rest of your life. No more like unexplained anxiety around certain situations or times of day. Just a lot of healing in that space. And as you know with me, I just want to go deeper. So I don't remember actually how I found out about past life regression. The way I remember it, though, like the first time I remember thinking about it or talking about it was my sister Jess had come to me and said, hey, at the time we were both living in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and she had found a man in St. Paul who did past life regression. And she's like, I think I'm going to go. And she went, and I couldn't even tell you what that experience is now, having the privilege of seeing and experiencing so many of my own, but then just like, I don't know, probably thousands of client sessions at this point. So I don't remember what it was about, but I remember her being like, 
changed by it, like immediately. You know, stuff where you would have to like slowly uncover it in six months of like talk therapy, you know, doing that dance with your conscious mind and not let you behind the curtain. So his name is Eric Christopher, and he's in St. Paul, Minnesota. And if you're near St. Paul, in St. Paul, and you want a session and you can get with Eric Christopher, get with him. It's a great experience. He's such a nourishing, kind soul. You will most likely, and if you go see him, tell him I say hi. But the same thing happened to me that happened to my sister was I went in for this past life regression and I had an intention in mind. You can hear all about it in episode two of this podcast, Past Lives in the Divine. And you can look while you're doing that, you can look at episode three for the anatomy of a past life regression if you're wondering kind of what that session is. So I had my session with Eric Christopher and had an amazing session that helped me figure out that like, Really, my fear of commitment was really a fear of failure. And when that became illuminated, when that was like clear to me, I could be like, oh, I'm not going to make that mistake in this life. And it was just like my soul could just like wipe its hands and be like, we're out of here. And again, it was like more relief in that one session than I had gotten in my months of talk therapy, Um, or I should say like the many different months long chunks of talk therapy I've done in my life or in my life up until that point and still in my life to this day. I think therapy is great. I'm not saying it's not. I just think we can only go so far. Sometimes things are hidden by the conscious mind that are really at play. And so that's when trance is nice to be able to just slip into a relaxed state and get beyond the conscious mind and into those deeper layers that are a little bit more subtle and invisible, but can really fuck up or enhance your life. So my first past life regression happened about two years after my first hypnosis session, which is, by the way, not how it has to be. You can be a first time hypnosis client and move into a past life. That's most of my clients are that. So after 2015, after I had that session, that was my method of therapy. If I had an issue, I knew like I'm just mindful enough or I reflect, I'll read a book on it. Um, My tendency is to take on too much. So I and try to fix too much that isn't mine to fix. So while that is something I need to be mindful of in my daily life, it's a benefit because I'm always reflecting on myself and how things are going. So as long as, you know, my lens isn't totally clouded or fucked up, um, that's a good thing for me, which, you know, go on feeling we all got our thing. So I'd reflect and if, if I couldn't work my way, read my way, understand, heal my own way through an issue, I would then just take it to Eric Christopher in a past life regression or an emotional healing session or a life between lives session. And I ended up going anywhere between like one and four times a year, just kind of depending on what I had going on. And because I was doing that in my personal life, I'm just not someone who really has the ability to be someone in one area of life and then be a different person in another area of life. So I would be working with wellness clients. And ever since 2013, I would be like, have you tried hypnosis? You know, like lightly push it if the client, because oftentimes we run into things as someone who has coached 
literally thousands of people over the course of nearly 20 years in this vein, I can say wellness, if you have a problem, quote problem, staying on track with your wellness, it is because of the beliefs you hold about the different practices you're trying to do. And if you don't know what that is, hypnosis is how to get it. And if you do know what they are, hypnosis is an easy way to like understand and rework those things. So I knew that. And that's why I would like gently push hypnosis. But it wasn't until 2015 when I had had that past life regression where I was like, holy shit, the amount of learning and healing I did in that two hour session was more than I had ever gotten from any modality, including the this life hypnosis that I had done previously that was like kind of blowing my mind. And it was after my first past life regression (laughs) that I just started when I would work with um, one-on-one consulting someone. Uh, After 2015, my career had changed. I was still in wellness, but I was much more positioned in terms of programming wellness at work sites. So I would like come and do lunch and learn presentations. And I would speak at conferences to like sell my programs to companies and And I would do wellness um, consulting just like with the company itself, not only my programming. So I really pivoted in 2015. I kind of pivoted away from the one-on-one work I was doing and went more to like me to small companies, small companies that couldn't afford like the big, um, really big (laughs) ripoff wellness programs is how I'll put that. So the wellness clients that I was coaching one-on-one were really like old clients who would come back for like a little tune-up or like a friend of a friend or, you know, just like people who I knew personally where I was like, yeah, I'll take that on. So I was always kind of, I've always been since 2002, I have always had a side hustle, even when my full job was like 10 side hustles. So it was always in the vein of like training, coaching. I, you know, I've been a massage therapist before. So I always had like the side practice and all of those clients after 2015, I started saying, you got to go see Eric Christopher. (laughs) Cause at the time, like we, I did see clients like virtually over Skype, but most of my people I was seeing in person whether we were training or just like chatting in a coaching setting. And I would just be like, if you want to get through this, you got to go see Eric Christopher. Like you and I could sit and chit chat about this and I could hold you accountable for the next six fucking years. Or you could spend two hours with Eric Christopher and like get a lot of this stuff off your plate. And pretty soon I started to feel so um, passionate about my clients going to hypnosis that Um, I just stopped doing wellness coaching on the side and was just like when people would ask me instead of being like, yeah, let's put a little thing together. Let's meet once a week for eight weeks or whatever. I would be like, what do you think you want to work on? Are you open to past life regression? You should go see Eric Christopher. And so I was always telling people to go do hypnosis. And eventually it was like, I'm not going to take your money (laughs) in the vein of wellness coaching when I know better, at least the way I work with people in the way I see with the world. It was like, I just ethically couldn't do that anymore. Uh, So as the years were going by, 2015, 16, 17, I was not only having these personal gains through hypnosis, but I was having my wellness clients do the same and seeing their gains 
and just thriving in that space that I just was like, I'm not doing wellness coaching anymore. Like you just go to hypnosis. That's how I'm going to help you. I'm going to change your life by sending you to hypnosis. So that was kind of like my side hustle. And my full-time job was my corporate wellness consulting, which is such a gross, skeezy place to be, which right now I'll say, if you are a wellness person working in the wellness field and you truly see and feel the good that you're doing, good on you, keep it up, go for it. I've been a manager of fitness centers. I've worked in so many gyms. I know the outlet for joy, socialization, and pleasure that that can be, and that is valuable. And if you are someone working in, for example, the corporate wellness space selling these programs and you know they don't fucking work, those are the people I'm judging. So at the time I was having all these positive gains with past life regression and working with Eric Christopher, I was becoming more and more disgusted with the wellness world. And specifically because I was in it, the corporate wellness world. And unfortunately, as a vendor, as like a contractor, as a consultant, the better received my programs were the higher up on the ladders my meetings got. And so I could see like how narrow-minded or how these people didn't really care. Um, you know, they're just doing these things to check a box. They don't really care about their employees. Um, for example, you know, running an incentive program that pays you if you drink water, but then you don't give a bus driver a bathroom break. Like, can't we see the human that's in front of us? I just, it's so disgusting. So because between the universe and I, we have a pretty sick sense of humor, <laughs> I found out. My last year working in wellness consulting, I never made like a ton of money. And a ton of money to me is maybe not a ton of money to you. And so I, for that reason, also, I don't know who's listening to this podcast. I'm not going to like say how much I made, but to give you the proportions, my last year working as a wellness consultant, I made three times in that one year what I had ever made in a year previous to that. And because the universe has such a sick sense of humor, I was just like, and I know that that's like a, oh, the money's getting good. Are you sure? And it was just like, I am too... I'll say this right now, I'm too sensitive, I can't do that. But here's what I really mean. I think that when we embark on a journey to get to know ourselves and heal ourselves and we want to love ourselves and be compassionate to ourselves and in that we want to get to know our intuition because we know it's speaking to us and we know it'll tell us what we need for our body, for our life, we can't do that knowing in one part of our life and not do it in every part of our life. So if you have to shut down that knowing to go to work, if you wake up that knowing, you're not going to be able to go to work anymore. And some people use that to get a new job, to take a risk, to do whatever. And some people shut it down because for whatever reason, they can't lose whatever they would lose if they became sensitive or open or knowing, however you want to put that. And so it's actually, I had been 
since switching to a more corporate role, more and more disgusted with the wellness industry and just how fake and smoke and mirrors and honestly harmful it is to a lot of people. And because at the time, you know, Alex and I were partnered, um, we were married for a lot of that. He was just like, look, we live in an 800 square foot condo. We don't have any kids. We're not going to have kids. Like, we have enough money. We can live on one income. Like, you don't have to do this. And I'm just someone who I love to be creative and I love to be helpful. And my ego was really tied up in this business and doing well in this business and doing well in the field. I had done a lot to like make a name for myself so people would see me and want to buy my products because I'm one tiny person. No one gives a fuck about my company name when I'm in the wellness industry. It was like all personal. And so it was all about what other people thought. That was my fucking bread and butter. And so to quit, I was like, all these people are going to think I'm a failure. All these people, blah, 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 blah. No. What they did was took it personally and then kicked me to the curb, (laughs) Um, which, you know, hurt at the time. But now it's like super easy to laugh at. Obviously, I'm so not that person anymore. But as I look back on it, in 2017, I hired someone to work with me who was really research-based. And I was like, I'm going to research these programs, like have focus groups. Are they working? I want to have a focus group with people who are not in the wellness programs. Like no one cares about them besides getting their asses in those wellness programs, whatever that means for that wellness manager at that work site. But I was like, I want to see why they're not participating. And that was an insane amount of work. But I ran these in-person programs and I ran the focus groups and I really focused on like, honestly, the client that was like (laughs) a quarter mile from the condo I lived in um, because I was there all the time. And it was easy for me then if I'm going to do focus groups there, I don't have to like fight traffic, blah, 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 you know, all that stuff. So I like really focused on them. But I was asking anytime I would go to a work site, I would always ask like candidly, oh, how's it going here? Oh, do people go to the yoga? Oh, what do people think of that? You know, if I see a flyer for some wellness program and these people would always give like really candid, like kind of off like, oh, no one cares. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Yeah, people like it. <laughs> it's like, I don't know if that's a Minnesota thing, but I was like, yeah, it seems like they do not like it. That's sarcasm. And so like that happened that spring, I really kicked off this like, let's get into it. Like, let's make a fucking difference. If I'm going to be here, I'm going to make a difference. And through that, I found out like, ooh, this is actually pretty harmful for many reasons. If you have a question, go to pastlivesinthedivine.com, click on submit a question. And that goes for any part of this journey that I don't elaborate on. But that spring, I also started, I got trained in and started doing transcendental meditation, also known as TM. And so the training that I did was, I don't know, like four days long or something insane. I think it's valuable. I think there's other ways to do it. I don't think that you need to pay thousands of dollars to get a magic word from someone who's been doing TM for 50 years. So I can recite that word alone. But I do think there is value in the structure And if you have the money to put the money down as an accountability thing for yourself, if that's motivating to you. And what TM really did for me was it put me in two 20-minute timeouts each day. 
And the way it felt after doing that for three months, it felt like my ego had like separated enough from my soul so I could see like what I truly need and want, who I truly am, what truly feels good. And like I said, you can't become sensitive in one area and not the other. And I will tell you, finishing out that contract, well, all my wellness contracts, was brutal after like seeing the results of these focus groups, seeing just if I were to cheaply deduce it to one statement, like how harmful actually these programs can be and how easy it would be just to make people feel supported and cared for at the website or at the website, at the work site. And not only was I having those experiences and those learnings from the groups I would do and the research we were doing, but I was like becoming more and more out of alignment. I could feel it. And I think it was because I was doing transcendental meditation twice a day. And I did that for like three years. Um, And then eventually, you know how I am. I didn't want to do it anymore. So I didn't. And every once in a while, I whip it out and I feel good. And that works for me. (laughs) But it really um, dislodged something. And it made that work even it made that work unbearable, quite frankly. And I remember Alex and I were on a trip. We were in Banff in Canada. It's beautiful there. Uh, It was August of 2017, I think maybe the 18th or something like that. And there was a solar eclipse that day. And we couldn't really see the eclipse from where we were in Canada. But I remember we had done a hike that morning. We were out for like four or five hours. And we were driving back like to the little town of Banff. And I remember looking at the sun and being like, I thought there was an eclipse today. And I'm like, oh, I can't really see it. Like, I just, it looks like the sun. I'm burning my eyes out. And this truth just fucking dropped into me. And it was like, you're done with wellness. And with caring that people think you failed and couldn't hack it. And you're done. Like, it was just this... Truth, I don't know if it bubbled up or if it dropped in, but it was like, you are done. It Actually, it was more like, we are done. <laughs> and I was just like, holy shit. And I remember it was such a strong thought. Normally, that's a thought I would keep to myself and sit on it for a while before bringing it up to anybody. But it was so strong and deep and profound and true that I looked at Alex and I was like, I got to quit the wellness industry, like, and, and I was feeling very moved. Like if you've even seen pictures of Banff, it'll fucking take your pants off. Like it's so insanely beautiful in pictures. And then when you see it in person, it's just like, what in the hell? And I just remember being like, all I want to do is be in energy like this. And what's so cool is as I reflect on that, I can get in that space of awe and wonder on any trail anywhere by any plant flower now and back then it was like I needed that like bamf in your fucking face which is great you know get it however you can but it's interesting that I've like loved that and pulled it so close to me and so it was the first time in my life that I was like making first of all do quitting on that level like no way Uh, that seemed unattainable or like something I wouldn't have done even six months prior to that. 
And it was the first time that I ever made a big decision and didn't know what was next. So that eclipse was in August of 2017. I didn't know this till like a year, year and a half maybe later when I went to see an astrologist and I asked her like, what was that eclipse about? Because it always struck me that I that decision had been in my orbit for years. And on that day, spontaneously, it was just like, we are done. Pack it in, figure it out. And that eclipse was in my 10th house, which is your 10th house is like your public life. It's who you are. To me, I very much see it as like the part of my work that you all see. The part of my work that you all respond. I think of the sixth house of work and routines as like how I put together a podcast episode or how I plan the next year, whatever, putting the emails together for kinship. Like to me, that's kind of the difference there. If you're into astrology and if you're not, sorry, you'll never get those 30 seconds back. (laughs) And so I just, I thought that was really interesting Um, and curious because a lot of people say the eclipse is like, you know, unstable light. And so it's like, don't make any decisions, don't make any big moves. And I thought it was interesting reflecting on it of how that decision came in and how it felt. And it's like, huh, sure, heed the advice of others, even people who have been studying things for, you know, a lot longer than me. But I think it's also important for us to honor like how these things show up in us and what that can mean in the future. It's just like another way to look back and see ourselves in a different way and how things show up. I think that's fun. So that happened in August of 2017. And at the time I had wellness, like programming and consulting contracts that went through the end of the year. Um, And then I had one of them that went, I think through February or almost till March the following year. So I stayed on and I, completed those contracts for sure. And in that, I also had every fall, I would do speaking gigs. So I would work at different conferences for different um, like worksite wellness stuff. Fall was always kind of like my speaking season. And that's where I would give a presentation at a conference. And then if people wanted more information, hopefully they would buy things from me, whether it was like a you know, purchase and download for your work site or like a full on program where I would either teach remote classes or I would come on site and teach classes. And those classes might have been like meditation, yoga, or I had like a whole program that I called Intuition to Thrive. And it was like this eight week um, program to walk people through just like their desired behaviors, their values, how that lines up with how things happen in their daily lives, and then just like examining excuses and the points in time when you get off track, and then just kind of like bringing it all together in terms of staying on track with this um, reflection of like, what was your journey to get here? And what do you know about yourself? And how to use that information going forward? Because I've always been like a side hustle person, I had many things people could buy. But not only was the fall a big income time for me, because some of the places that I spoke um, paid, not all of them, but some of them paid, but that was actually my marketing. So I would get in front of all these wellness managers and coordinators, and then they would hire me kind of like for the next year was how it seemed to work out most often. Anyway, so that was actually pretty painful that fall season because, because I had these contracts And because I had to do all these speaking engagements and 
I, it's probably not at all how I would go about it now, but it was like, just shut up, get through this and then do your own thing. And so I showed up to, I don't know, like seven or eight in between, I think like seven or 10 speaking engagements throughout that fall. So like September through the, uh, you know, mid December. And I showed up, gave my presentation and was like, yeah, I'm booked through six months through next year, just like trying to give myself time too. So it was like, if I woke up in April and was like, what did I do? I could like knock on these people's door and be like, hey, (laughs) still interested? So I did all of those speaking engagements. It was so fucking brutal. I remember my last one. I was in Duluth, Minnesota, and I just like ran out of that convention center and was just like, never again. (laughs) So around Christmas that year, I started to think of like, oh my gosh, I'm embarking on this year of nothing. So I had my savings And I was going to give myself a full year to just like get bored and then figure out what I wanted to do. And that started, I thought that started like January 18th in my mind or January 2018 in my mind. That's when that started. But this idea of like, man, what am I interested in? And hypnosis was the only thing that kept coming up. And I was just like, I do not want to be a fucking hypnotist. I just want a regular job. I just want to feel regular, like go to work and not have it be a thing and not have it consume my life and not have people think I'm weird because of the work I do or my point of view in the work I do. I was just so sick of that. So I just kind of squelched it, especially for the first two months of that year, two, three months, because I had like wellness contracts, just light work to fulfill. But it kept being there and I would always in my personal life just Ever since my first past life regression, I would read about it and, you know, I would just read books about it, like every Dolores Cannon book, every Lois J. Wetzel book, every Brian Weiss book, every Michael Newton book. Like I just gobbled all of that stuff up and it was the only thing that was interesting to me. And so I had, I reached out to Eric Christopher and was like, look, And he knew that I had quit my job. Of of course, you know, I was in his office. Actually recommended my teacher, Madonna. And he was like, we've been to trainings together. I really like her style. They had even like swapped sessions personally. So I reached out to Madonna and information we covered in that level one training. I couldn't believe all the stuff we could do with hypnosis. I mean, that's part of my plan on the podcast is to talk more about all the different ways we can use hypnosis. I just, past life regression is queen to me. I just love it. I think it holds so many gifts for anyone entering that realm. And there is so much we can do in that trance space to make life, this life, just feel better. So, so many things. If you're interested and if you're a big nerd about this and you want to read a book, we, um, I would recommend the book Regression Therapy by Winifred Blake Lucas. And it's a volume one and a volume two. And the volume one is very past life regression heavy. And volume two is very much all the different things that we can do with hypnosis. I mean, not everything, but it's a fucking thick ass book. So there, if you want to get a good scope and we teach and touch on all of that in the hypnotic arts training and the Winifred Blake Lucas book is actually one of the required readings. So just um, parts of it anyway. I came out of that training 
so excited. And like I had signed up for the level two training, which the level one training through NATH, the National Association of Transpersonal Hypnotherapists, the level one training is really like clinical foundations and um, a little bit of past life regression, not much. And then the level two is really heavily focused on past life regression. And so I did that just two months later. And then the level three through NATH, the National Association of Transpersonal Hypnotherapists, is a life between lives training. So essentially, we take all of that. And um, I have my own method now that I've learned it through NATH. I feel like I have modernized it and made it my own. Uh, and that's essentially what we teach in the hypnotic arts training. So if you're wondering why the hypnotic arts training is four months long, it's like because we're learning um, everything that you would learn in three trainings of NATH, of three trainings of many other certifying agencies. Most people don't teach all of this together. But I kind of feel like if I'm going to teach you to mess around in these realms, I want you to know everything and come out completely prepared. And then any additional education that you get can be deeper into things that you find interesting or deeper into questions that you have based in your own practice and your own life and your own experience with this. So I started seeing clients right after my level one training. So that was July of 2018. And my, I'm glad I had planned to take a year off because getting clients was difficult. Like I didn't have a website. I literally did not know anyone even close to my age doing hypnosis as a job. Even the people I went to training with were not using hypnosis as their job. And I know a handful of them really wanted to. But no one had the ability to like <laughs> poke around like I did because I had planned to take the year off. And so I was able to really take what I learned in my wellness company, which in my wellness company, it was very scalable. Meaning if, if someone bought a program for me eight times out of 10, they would be getting a full on program and I would be getting an email that they bought it. That's it. Uh, so that's what I mean by scalable, meaning I put this out in the world and 10,000 people could buy it tomorrow and it's not like going to ruin my life. So I had that and just like the online business learning from my wellness career and just things that I had slowly figured out. I built my first website on my own in 2008. So I've built... Oh my God, I don't even know how many websites sent then, since then. But I was really able to craft my hypnosis shop, craft, what do I want to do? And I kept getting this push to talk about it. I want to talk about it more. No one knew what I was doing. And you've maybe heard this story a thousand times on this podcast, but in July of 2019 is when I launched this podcast. And that was... After months of planning it, I was so nervous to do it. I know that I am not a perfectionist. I'm not shiny and polished. And I know that people love to like rip on people like me, but fuck that. Like there's plenty of people who listen. And so it took me months to plan it. Like I really wanted to do it and to do it in a way that felt good to me because I knew that nobody would be listening to it at first. I think... I remember like my first email to my email list was like, oh my God, 15 people downloaded the first episode <laughs> and you know, come a long way since then. But I think me having all that extra time really gave me the foundation, like the ability to set up a foundation for a business that was scalable and I was ready to see clients when they were ready to see me. And that was such a benefit 
for me. And I know most people can't take that time or aren't planning to take that time like I was. So what I did as part of um, our training, the hypnotic arts training, is I've added a lot of that stuff in there because I want people, not that you have to have a website to come out of the hypnotic arts training, but if you want a website, I want you to either have it done or have it be nearly done. So we really give people the framework and the foundation to make these decisions and to start these projects, if not complete them before the end of the training. First, my clients were really just like word of mouth, friends of friends, even sometimes friends. And the podcast for me has been the best marketing tool. Like marketing tool is such a gross way to describe it because she's so much more than that. Like I feel like these topics are so normal and I know it's because I show up to this microphone and talk about it. And I show up to this microphone and talk about it because first of all, it's fun for me, but I wouldn't still be doing it if you weren't all listening. And thankfully, you all listen and many of you like forward episodes that are interesting to you to other people and get other people to listen. The people who come to me through this podcast, which are the vast majority of my clients, but those are the people who get it. Those are the people who like show up and they're so ready. And for that, I'm thankful to the podcast, to myself for putting in the work, and then also for you to like listen and go with this kind of like weirdo topic. I love talking about it, but I wouldn't be talking about it four and a half years later if you weren't here listening. So thank you. So I became certified, trained in leading hypnosis sessions and past life regression in July of 2018. In July of 2019, I started this podcast, which changed this business. And then in July of 2022, Sarah Leverett and I launched and started teaching the very first cohort of the hypnotic arts training. July is a hot month for me. I wonder what that's all about. I moved across country in July of 2022. Crazy. I'll have to look, I'll have to ask Meredith about that. And a little myth I want to put to the side is a lot of people think that I do one-on-one sessions like all day, every day, and I absolutely do not. I love past life regressions. I love getting them. I love facilitating them. But it is not something I could do more than once a day. And it is not something I could do five days a week. So the week really varies. I always take summers off or I have the last few years, I guess, as long as that feels good, I'll keep doing it. From seeing clients, um, I always take a few week break at the end of the year from seeing clients. And then in between there, it's anywhere from three, four, maybe even five a week. Um, And that's just for me personally, that one-on-one work, I love it. But it's like, if I just allow myself to love it and do it and do it and do it, I'm going to be burned out. I know that about myself. I've flirted with burnout um, in hypnosis and I just don't want to do it. So that's why in addition to the one-on-one sessions, I have my kinship, my annual membership, the hypnotic arts training because I just can't stop myself. And if people are wondering who to get training from, I'm so glad I can say me. (laughs) And then I also do workshops for smaller groups or people who can't get onto my one-on-one schedule. It's kind of a nice way to supplement sessions you're already doing or sessions you can't yet do, or maybe that's just out of your price range, which is totally fair. Workshops are just a different experience. You can go deep within yourself, but do it in the synergy of a group, which is pretty cool. 
while I could talk a lot about the work I do and how vast it is and all my plans for the future, uh, this is where I'm going to end this episode. So that is how I became a hypnotist. Again, anytime you have a question, go to pastlivesandthedivine.com, click on podcasts, and then click on ask a question. That is our episode for today. Take anything that makes your load feel lighter and just leave the rest.